This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Yes, part of the gospel life. So as followers of Jesus, we have these great opportunities, don't we, to share the good news of the gospel that we celebrated last week, that Jesus gave us life for you and for me, for the entire world, and wants to invite us into a relationship. And when we're in right relationship with him, right relationship with the Father, we have an eternity with Jesus, yes? Forever. So heaven. Have you thought about heaven much? You have? So Jen and I were talking about that. We were away a little bit last week. And so we were talking like, what was heaven going to be really, really like? And so one of the team members was even sharing this morning that if you like rain, no. First of all, Jesus loves you anyway, but you're going to have your own little rain shower that will follow you around. That's what's going to happen, you know, in heaven. And so people like me who like the sun, you're going to have your little rain shower. I'm going to have my little sun thing. It's going to be following wherever we go. You know, I don't know. The Bible says like, I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard what's in store for you and for me. But we do know that in eternity with Jesus is a reality for every follower of Jesus. Um, we have a story to, to tell And that gospel story is that Jesus loves people. Jesus loves people so much he gave his life for them. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. In in this week's, like, how do we listen to someone else's story? How do we create the opportunity to share our story with someone else? So let's let's talk about that. Jen and I are are dog lovers. Um, Yeah, so we've had a dog for many, many years. But I haven't always been a dog lover because as a young guy I was I was kind of afraid of, of dogs I mean weird huh so um, I began to think about the different kind of dogs that some of you have and some that you see around and so I thought about the dog that, that I'll just call um, the, the intimidator right so there's one dog called the intimidator do you know that dog so this dog can be any size. It doesn't have to be big. It can be small. It does everything it can to like intimidate you, right? And kind of uh, may- maybe push you away. When I was about, I think I was 10, 11, something like that. I was walking over to my cousin's house and I was actually on the road. And um, this little, it wasn't even a big dog. He was just this little dog that was um, barking and intimidating me. I was so scared that I decided to go home. I wouldn't even go past that dog. I wouldn't go anywhere close to that dog. That's it. Do you know what, do you know about these dogs? They bark a lot, right? They just try and do everything they can to, to intimidate you. Okay, how about, how about this dog? Um, the biter. Oh yeah, how many know about the biter? Raise your hand. Yeah, the, the biter dog. So if you've ever been bitten by a dog named Precious, which I have, which I have, who would call their name dog, first of all, precious to begin with, but particularly a biter, you know? So, and then, and then I was out running, and uh, here this wasn't all that long ago, um, a couple years, I, I think, and so I saw this person walking their dog um, on a leash. And so, you know, I, I ran around that, that person, what I thought was a good distance away from the dog. But the person had one of those extendo leashes. And so it was just long enough for the dog to reach me, bit me right in the butt. I mean, honestly, it hurt like crazy, you know. And so I actually finished my run, ended up at the doctor's office with this wound um, from, a, from a biter dog. Maybe you've experienced that. How about, 
How about um, this dog here? So this, a lover. Oh yeah, yeah. So this is what we have now. We have a golden retriever. And all she does is love people. She just wants to be around people. That is it. And so if you're a burglar and you come to my house, my dog is the worst guard dog ever. Because not only will she greet you at the door, but she will actually help you carry stuff out. She will show you where the stuff is, you know, and be really, really happy that you're taking all of our stuff. You know, that's all she does is, is just loves people and loves, loves life. Okay, but then there's this, this other dog. Um, so um, I don't have a word for it, but you know what this is? It's a mastiff. Yeah, okay, so we got, we got mastiff in the house. All right, so um, a, a mastiff. Now, um, there's, there's a lot to know about this dog, and maybe you're kind of familiar with it just a little bit when I describe it to you. If the Mastiff isn't the largest dog, it's one of the largest dogs um, that we know of. And so just listen to this description, because I have a really important question to ask you. Here it is. The Mastiff is very massive, powerful, and muscular. It is often called the gentle giant. A born guard dog, the Mastiff rarely barks, but it's in its nature to defend its territory and family and is more of a silent guard rather than being a biter. When an intruder is caught, the dog is more likely to hold them at bay, either trapping them in a corner or lying on top of them rather than an all-out attack. So just imagine that. You bust into somebody's house. They have a massive. The dog's going to sneak up on you. It's not going to bite you. It's just going to lay on top of you <laughs> until help comes. Now you're going like, okay, what's all that mean? Well, I have a question for you. Which, which one of these, the intimidator, the biter, the lover, or the massive, um, which, which one illustrates your personal experience with those sharing the gospel story? <laughs> now some of us are going to go like, I have seen all of them. The person who's tried to intimidate, right? Maybe that was your feeling um, when you came to Easter service, if you came to the service where we had a, a protester out front and carrying a sign, right, that said, everybody, you need to repent of your sins, which I, I agree with that message. I think we all do. I'm just thinking, you know, you have better potential if you're at Walmart or somewhere, you know, people coming to church. But anyway, there's a, there's the intimidator. Maybe you walk by that person. Jen and I went to a, uh, a concert over at the Tacoma Dome one time, and th there was all kinds of repent because you're going to hell, because you're going to see these people um, sing, you know, and I even forget what the concert was. Maybe you remember. I don't know. But the what? The Eagles. It was Eagles concert, right? So repent. Uh, you are going to hell. And doing everything they could to intimidate you, you know, for that reason. Have you seen those? Okay, yeah. Which one illustrates? Maybe the biter. Um, the reality is if you've been bitten once, like, you stay far away. I will tell you now, when, I, when I'm out running, I go past the dogs that do all the time. I, I make sure that I'm beyond the extend the leash thing, right? Because you go a long ways around a biter. But maybe you've experienced that too. Maybe you've also experienced the lover side, and maybe that's why you're here today. Because somebody loved you in a way that just drew you in to, to their stories. There's a, there's a little bit more of a probing question that I want to ask us to think about for just a moment, and 
I'm asking myself too, um, which of the above might look like your gospel story? And I, I think if, if I were honest with you, I've tried them all. So I've tried the intimidator thing, like beat the person over the head with a Bible, right? Right? That's what you do because they have got to listen to this message, right? Maybe you've tried that. Or the biter, right? right? Well, it, you, are, you may be right, but ouch, that hurts. And that person will kind of avoid you. Or maybe the lover, again, maybe that's why you're here today, something you've learned that relates well with people. Or maybe, maybe you can relate to that creepy giant, giant guard dog, the Mastiff, like let's just hold them until somebody will get here and tell them, you know. Maybe that looks like you just get them to church where they can hear, hear this story, you see. But I want to talk about, about the gospel story, um, about where does it begin, how do we create an environment where we have the opportunity to share our story and it doesn't begin with us talking. You know, that's really hard for some of us who are talkers. I'll just talk about myself. It doesn't begin, it really begins by listening. So I wanna talk about creating an environment where we can listen to the other person and then enter into their story by sharing maybe our story, what Jesus has done. It's called creating passport. So in the world of conflict resolution, um, we talk about this. You need to create passport into a person's life. So a passport allows you into a country, yes? That, that's what it does, allows you entry into a country. When you create passport into a person's life, it allows you entry into their life. It begins by listening, and let's talk about the environment. Um, there's a scripture in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, talks about a couple of groups of people that you maybe want to intimidate or hit over the head with something, but they're tax collectors and sinners. So tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now that's really interesting. We could stop right there. We're not going to, and just think about that for a moment. What was it about Jesus? What was it about him that these people, notorious sinners, so they weren't like regular sinners, they were like notorious sinners and tax collectors, these people, right, who would steal really from people, tax collectors, they came to listen to Jesus teach. What was it about Jesus that they came to listen to him? This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with sinful such sinful people, not only associating with them, but he was even eating with them. He was at the table with them. Now, we'll get to that in just a moment, but three things kind of surface from, from this example of Jesus in his life. Number one, lost people were attracted to him. Lost people were attracted. They wanted to listen to him. They wanted to listen to what he had to say. Jesus was a master at that. Even notorious sinners. Jesus spent time with lost people. You know what we often do? Um, we do the Christian huddle thing, right? Now, no, you know, none of you, let's just talk about other people for just a moment, okay, that we don't even know. So we do the, we do the Christian huddle. So we want to isolate our, ourselves from notorious sinners or from people who aren't following him. But Jesus spent time with lost people. He made an effort. He went out of his way to spend time with lost people and hear from them. And they wanted to hear from him. And then Jesus spent intimate moments with lost people. 
So there's a difference between just spending time, but then also kind of entering into a relationship with them. He was known as a welcomer. So this man, he like, he welcomes sinners. Mario talked about welcoming a couple, couple weeks ago. It was excellent. You should go back and listen to it if you haven't already. See, listening begins when we welcome someone in and we create the space to hear another story. It's important that we understand the attitude of the Pharisees here and what was going on with Pharisees and the other religious leaders, especially their concern that he was, he was not just spending time with them, like he was eating with them. This complaint, that the complaint of the Pharisees and particularly those among them um, called the scribes, right, uh, is more than a, it was more than a superficial attempt to find fault. There was something deeper here in their thinking. See, the joint table fellowship or to be at the table eating, right, with, with irreligious sinners is a cast doubt on one of the essential assumptions of Pharisaic teaching. There was this dedication to upholding the purity of Jewish faith and life. And implicit in their teaching was this strict adherence to both law and tradition, including these necessary rites of purification and separate, separation from all whose moral or ritual purity might be in question. So you, you have to create space. You can't sit at a table with sinners. But let me ask you a question. How do you engage or listen to another if we just isolate ourselves? And, and they're going like, you, you can't do that, Jesus. You, you can't do that. We know that the command of Jesus, right, is to do, go into the world. Everybody say world. Go into the world. Go out there and make, make disciples. That's sharing the gospel to story. So here's what we see and read. The, the Pharisees' complaint is specifically directed to this act of eating and drinking because in their society, table fellowship implied mutual acceptance. You're accepting that person. No act apart from participation in the actual sinful deed of the guest could have broken the wall of separation more dramatically. In Old Testament times, it was taken for granted that God's people did not consort with sinners. But the Pharisees extended that far beyond the biblical intent. And Jesus' life is an example of that. See, to, to go as far as to welcome them, and especially to eat with them, implying table fellowship, was absolutely unthinkable to the Pharisees. It, it made no sense at all. But if you just, if I ask you, just stop and think of your story for, for just a moment of coming to Jesus, your follower of Jesus. Just think about your story for just a moment because here's, here's where our story begins. See, our story begins by being welcomed to the table by Jesus. Come on. I have a brand new life for you. You, you come to the table and we'll have fellowship. You come to the table. Our story begins by being welcomed into a relationship with the Father. And when we stepped into that relationship, we stepped into a brand new story of our life. And this is what we're talking about. How do we share this story? Jesus shares a story, I think, that helps to drive a, a plot home, or to drive, drive, drive this uh, point home. But there's, there's a little shift to the story. A little shift in the plot that I want to share with you. I actually just learned a couple weeks, I never thought of it this way, but I was at a workshop um, by one of the top theologians in the country, 
Dr. Craig Keener, and he mentioned this, and I thought, you know, I never really thought about that point in this story. I'm going to share it with you in just a moment. But Jesus shares this story about this, this product, the prodigal son. And, and if you're a Bible reader, you, you know what that story is about, or, or maybe you, you've heard it along the way. But um, there are two sons, right? It's a story. It's a parable. It's a teaching story that Jesus is using to drive home a point. And so there's two sons, and the one son says, I want my share of the inheritance. I want my money. And, and so the father divides it up, and the son takes off, right? And uh, he spends it all in wild living, and when he ran out of money, <clears throat> he finds himself you know, with the pigs. When all of a sudden, it occurs to him, this is a bad life, right? This isn't working out so well. And even, even the servants in my father's house, they got it a whole lot better than I do, so... I'm hungry, I'm without anything, and I am going to go home. Here's the point. Here's the little twist in the plot. The son didn't return home because he loved the father. The son returned home out of his own selfish need. He was hungry, and he was cold, and he was tired of living with the pigs. And so I'll just go back to my father's house where I can probably even maybe be a servant, be far better off. The servant returned to his father out of his own selfish need. But what happens? The Bible says it was from a long ways off that the father saw the son returning. And the son came and shared his story. He said, Father, I have sinned, right? Just let me be like one of your, one of your servants, Let's go back to the different dogs for just a moment and kind of the response of the father in this teaching story by Jesus. What would it look like if the father was an intimidator? Son, you know, you don't know the damage you've done. You don't know the damage. You don't know what your life has done to the rest of the family and intimidate him. What would that have been like? How about the biter? <laughs> What would that look like, right? So not, not only have you um, dishonored our, our name here, but you've done so much damage and the bite hurts. Well, what if it was that? Or what if it was the lover? Because I think that's what we see, right? The love of the father reaching out to his son and restoring sonship to him. And so we see a number of things going on. He put a robe on him, right? Which meant distinction, Put a ring on his finger, authority, sandals on his feet, which indicated sonship, right? Because slaves typically would go barefoot. And then, of course, the fattened calf, he celebrated his, his return. It's the love of the Father. There are a couple of teaching points I just want to share with you. And then I have a couple of stories to share with you that you're going to hear of how this plays out, I think, in, in real life. Number one, God the Father is our example and our experience. He welcomed you and me. When you came to him, whatever your journey looked like, I mean, I've shared my story. I was a young guy. I was nine. I was at a camp. I received Jesus. And so, you know, life hadn't gone all that bad for me up to that point. But for some of you, um, your journey looked different, right? It was completely different. And maybe it was just out of losing everything like the son that you came to the father. And it didn't make any difference at all. He welcomed you, and he welcomed me because we were all in that place of needing a Savior. He welcomed us into relationship. That's our experience. 
Romans chapter 2 verse 11 says it this way. God doesn't show any favoritism. So he didn't look at you and go like, okay, you didn't quite screw up as bad as that person screwed up. So I'm, you, you come on in. We'll, we'll see about this person. That's not what he did. God doesn't show favoritism. We're all welcomed to the, to the table. Relationship with the Father and eternal life is not rewarded for good living. That, that would contradict Scripture, which clearly states that salvation is not by works, but it's God's grace, His love extended to you and me. So that's the first teaching point there. Second is this. When, when we are willing to welcome like the Father, we reflect His love for all. When we step away from being maybe the intimidator or the, or the biter or the the holder, you know, like the mastiff there, we, we, we reflect his love for everybody. Dude, people need to experience change in life. Ah, of course, like we all do. I did, you did. Um, we do. The question is where and how does it start? And I'm suggesting that when we begin by listening to their story, it creates passport in order to share our story and it reflects the love of God. At the table where people are welcome, they see in you a changed life. Henry Nowen wrote, wrote these words. I think they're really good. Quotes coming up here on the screen. Hospitality is not to change people, right? So that's the intimidator thing. But to offer them space where change can take place. It's not to bring men and women over to our side, but to offer freedom not disturbed by dividing lines is not to lead our neighbor into a corner where the, there are no alternatives left, kind of like the massive, but to open a wide spectrum of, of options for choice and commitment. Hospitality is not a subtle invitation to adopt the lifestyle of the host, but the gift of chance for the guest to find his own. And I think that's a powerful statement. You see, what this says, it creates passport into a, into a person's life. So I want to talk to you about kind of two spaces, okay, that we're all living in and uh, where we can find the opportunity to share our story. Number one, the table, the table in your space, the table in your space. So we know that, that um, neighborhoods are different. I mean, that, that, that became true in a number of years ago. Um, your neighborhood is different than it used to be, how neighborhoods used to be thought of. So now it's more likely that we all drive into our garages, we, shut the, we open the door, we drive in, we shut the door, we walk into our house, and that's about what we know of our neighbors. You know, not, not true for, for all of you, but that's, that's kind of the picture of neighborhoods today. So our neighborhoods have shifted. So neighborhoods are at the grocery store where we see people, we connect with people, at, at the coffee shop, that, you know, the, your favorite coffee hangout. That's where you meet people. That's, that becomes your neighborhood. So what's it look like if in that space we create a table that people are welcome to? What's that look like? Every day, you and I can welcome people into the space by stewarding our time. And so I've shared, and I've shared again, I don't do it every time because sometimes I forget, God, when I'm going to go into the space, where I'm shopping for groceries, for example, or, or doing coffee. Help me to steward my time for you. God, if there's an opportunity that you will open up or you will 
organizer. You will orchestrate. Don't let me miss this opportunity, right, to listen to somebody and perhaps then to share my story to create passport into the life. So it's all about stewarding our, our time. And it begins with a very, very simple prayer. God, there are lost people in my space. So what's it look like um, if, if you open up an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel? So I want to introduce to you Megan. She'll be um, new to some of you and some of you have seen Megan and Josh hanging around and their two kids, um, Ethan and, and Owen. So Megan, there you are. And so we're in a small group together um, with a bunch of other people and, and Jen and me and Josh, your husband and all that. It's, it's a great group, isn't it? Okay. Word up for groups, right? Oh, word up for groups. But was it in, in one of our groups that you shared how you're kind of living this, this out and kind of a story. And I thought, you know, that's exactly what we're talking about. So um, really didn't begin with you like bombarding somebody. No, right? it didn't. It actually began with me just feeling in my quiet time and in my women's discipleship group. Um, I just felt like God was putting a particular friend of mine on my heart. And of course, I just felt like he was saying like, I want her. I, I want that one. And I was like, God, you do not know her. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, I was like, you don't know where she is. You don't understand if I say something to her, I'm going to lose a friend. It was very intimidating for me. So um, a little while later, again, in my group, I felt like God was like, nope, I still want her. And um, I was also reminded that time that um, it's my job to pray for her heart because, in fact, God does know where her heart is and what she needs. Mm -hmm. And so if he's putting her on my heart, I need to respond with prayer for hers. Um, and so a little while went by, I've been praying for her, and I was like, you know, I haven't seen her in a while. I should probably ask her lunch. So I did. And then that morning in my quiet time, I... Um, prayed for her heart, that she would be really ready to receive, and that also God would make clear an opportunity if it was the right time, and that he'd give me the words, because again, I did not want to say something and lose my friend. So um, asked her, or we, we met at lunch, and we were just talking like we normally do, and then she was like, you know, I've been really thinking about trying to try out a church. Um, we haven't gone, my family, we haven't gone at all for eight years or so, and um, like, where do you go? And I was like, oh my gosh, God, I just prayed for this. <laughs> and I was like so excited and trying not to be like overly enthusiastic. And I'm sure that I wish I was like a fly on the wall to see what my facial expression was because I probably was like grinning ear to ear, pretending like I was on a first date and trying so hard not to be over eager. <laughs> um, so, you know, I just shared my experience, my story with her. Um, and she shared a little bit more of her story with me. Um, but the, the whole point is, is that when I, you feel, or I feel, when God puts someone on my heart, I need to be uh, faithful and obedient and answer that with prayer and ask God what his will is. Um, Proverbs 3, um, I'm teaching the three and four-year-olds down there, I, where I came from, ran up. Um, we were talking about Proverbs 3, where God says, um, trust not in your own understanding, but let his will guide your path. Um, and so that is, that's what my job is. Trust his will, pray for her heart, um, pray for opportunity, answer that opportunity, yeah. and um, 
pray for his words yeah. to be what come out of me. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, thanks for sharing the story. Isn't that great? Absolutely. So absolutely, thanks Megan, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, and that's what we're talking about. Like, you know, if we pray for the opportunity, guess what's gonna happen? I believe God will orchestrate that just like what we just heard. So a table in your space. Now, how about this? A little bit more intimate, the table in your place. That's a little bit closer to home. And some of you probably do that already now. So it's the table in our place. It's our home. Something really, really, really close. And so I'm going to ask Natalie to come out. And she's going to share. We're going to pray in, in just a moment. But your place, your home, your car, your ferry seat... Even, even if you got stuck on Bainbridge Island for a while, you know, that's, that's, that's a much more intimate location. So Nat, Natalie had an idea. Where are you, Natalie? You're kind of hanging back there on purpose. Um, um, I saw this on Facebook. And so Natalie was introduced to an idea. And then I saw you posting. I thought, man, that is so cool. And because this is, this is what we're talking about, right? You actually invited people into your place and something, something happened. Yeah. Um, so I had a friend um, share a reel with me on Instagram, and it was this guy that he uh, he has a friend that just opens his house up for uh, like a coffee shop. I think he does it like every week. That's not me. Um, but he uh, he just has like a couple espresso machines in his kitchen, and he just makes coffee and invites people over. Hmm. And um, I my friend sent me that, and I was like, sweet. That's cool. <laughs> she was like, you should do that. And I was like, oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, so in my like years past, I used to make coffee. I, um, I was a barista and it was, it was actually a really, it was a great job. I loved it because I, you, people come in and in the morning time, if you're like me, you don't talk to people before you have coffee because... I'm not awake. And so <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed the job because you, you make people happy because yeah. coffee's great. Yeah. And then you give someone coffee and they're like, I love you because you make me happy. <laughs> right? Yeah. So making people coffee is, is amazing. And so back to this idea, I was like, well, I suppose I can make people coffee. Um, I only need like to clean my house and to buy an espresso machine, um, details, and uh, to find like maybe some cups and some other, all the things. But it's really not that difficult. So um, I like, at first I brushed it off, but then I was like, okay. It kind of stayed with me, so I was like, all right, Lord, like I will, I will think about it. <laughs> so I did. And I kept thinking about it. And so I was like, all right. So I hopped on good old Amazon um, and found an espresso machine. It's not that difficult. And uh, it showed up at my house a few days later. So I plugged it in and tried it out. And I was like, yeah, this tastes pretty good. I still got the moves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so then I just hopped on Facebook. And I was like, well, if these people know me, on Facebook, then I should be able to invite them over to my house. So I did. And I was like, hey, if you want to come over for coffee, I'll make it. 
and it'll be fun. And so, um, and it turned out, um, it was a Saturday morning at like 10 o'clock, and people from like different walks of my yeah, life, yeah. it was, uh, I had neighbors show up, like actual neighbors, yeah. like people that live down yeah, the street yeah, from yeah. like houses. Yeah. Um, you said you don't know your neighbors. Yeah. I know, oh, I do. I, I know my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> um, they showed up. Um, so a couple ladies that live down the street from me that um, live in my neighborhood, they, they came by and I made them coffee. And then um, people that I used to work with um, showed up and I made them coffee. And um, people that I used to go to youth group with that don't go to church anymore yeah. showed up and I made them coffee. And uh, all kinds of people got to know each other because they've been in my life at some point, and now they were in my house, and um, they started having conversations. Yeah. And so it was a really cool way to just open up my house and um, create that space for people to have conversations. So and talk, yeah. And so praying that there'll be more opportunities like that, and that you'll have the opportunity to share for some. You mean your story, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What Jesus done. So that's awesome. Yeah. I'm proud of you. Oh, thanks. Proud of Megan. Proud of Mary. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. 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 So I, that was just a great story. And I saw that on Facebook. I thought, like, that's what we're talking about. Creating space, right? Um, might be like Megan shared in a restaurant or coffee shop or whatever. Or maybe like Natalie just shared in, in our home. But listen, we have a story to tell. We have a story to share. So I'm going to pray. And here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God will lay someone on our heart. Um, um, that, that's making a story, right? God just dropped this on her heart again. And she began to pray. And God kind of orchestrated it from there, you know. Um, and maybe that will be your experience. Or maybe, maybe you're the one. You're going to open up a table in your place. You know, whatever that might look like for you. And pray that God gives you the opportunity to share your story. I thought Dave, Dave Fisher did such an such a excellent job a few weeks ago sharing how we tell our story. It's your story. It's what Jesus has done for you. And then we invite others into that same relationship. So would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. And would you just open up your heart? <clears throat> maybe, maybe you associate more with the intimidator dog or the biter. And maybe today you're going like, okay, I'm going to change that. I'm going, to be, I'm going to follow the example of Jesus and love people and pray that he opens up that opportunity in my life. We'll steward our time well. So, Father, that's what I pray. Thanks for Megan's story. Thanks for Natalie's story, Lord. And I know there are, there are many other stories like that here that we could have shared. But, God, you, you love people. And, God, you have called us to go into the world and share this good news of the gospel, the thing that has changed our life. And so, Father, I would pray that even in, in these moments, you would, you, would, you would just drop the name of someone in our hearts, Lord, that you, that you want to connect with. And maybe it's a connection from the past. Maybe it's brand new. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone that we do work with. Whatever that looks like. And then, God, we commit that time to you. Maybe it's that space uh, where we do life. Or maybe it's literally a table in our place, our home, or our commute, whatever it looks like. God, we give that time for you. We pray for opportunities, Lord, to engage with people. Let us be listeners, Lord. Let us be people 
who are willing when the door opens to share our story of what you have done in our lives and that your kingdom lord would be built we always pray it's, it's not about gateway it's not about building this church it's about building your kingdom following your command to go into the world and make disciples so father we offer that up to you and pray it in jesus name amen Oh, oh, oh. 